What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. All right, welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle. And today we are going to jump right into things and talk to BB expert Rebecca Barnes Hogg, who is our employee management, recruiting, and hiring expert. We have a lot to cover. And I know that as we are getting into this new year, we're talking about keeping your passion for things high because you can set goals all you want. But if you're not passionately pursuing those goals, you are not going to hit them. And so today, Rebecca is going to share her genius with us so that we can keep our employees passionate about what it is that we're doing. Of course, I want to give her super fancy bio and then we will dive right in with her. Rebecca is the founder of Yellow Insights and author of The Yellow Principle, The Ultimate Hiring Guide for Small Business. Her path to bombshell businesswoman started eight years ago when she broke free from corporate with a dream, a cell phone, and a laptop, kind of like a lot of us. Rebecca built Yellow Insights in response to all the frustrated business owners who are wasting time, money, and their sanity hiring the wrong people. She thrives on the hunt for purple unicorns, that's her word for ideal employees, and watching her clients become more efficient, effective, and profitable when they hire the right employees. I will also add, however, that Rebecca has a strong following of HR leaders and other recruiters because even the corporate sector is looking to her now for really marketing their employee brand so that or employer brand so that they can get the right people um, on the right seats of the bus. So all that to say, welcome back to the show, Rebecca. Hey, Amber, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back and talking with the bombshells. Well, I know that they lap up your goodness because this is a tough topic, especially when you are a newer leader or maybe you, you know, worked for somebody else for years and years and then you started your own business and then you're like, I need employees and you never really got training on how to <laughs> run a business, let alone run other people's motivation to help you with your business. So right now, I know we're in a world where millennials are taking over the world. That's not a bad thing. I am not a millennial hater and they just come with a little bit of a different perspective in life. So What's a what's a bombshell businesswoman to do? Well, it's a it's a you know an interesting dilemma, but it's one that I find really fun to solve because first of all, you know each generation comes with its own unique qualities, and I am at the tail end of the baby boomer, so I'm kind of on that cusp between the baby boomer and the Gen X. And I remember my parents saying the same things that we are now as parents saying to millennials, you know, <laughs> don't know what hard work is, blah, blah, blah. So I think each generation has its own unique qualities, its own unique styles. And guess what? 
we raised these millennials, so we have to look to ourselves for what we did. Right. <laughs> so when when you look at millennials as not, you know, lumping them into that generic category and treat them as human beings, because at the end of the day, we're all people and we want to be heard and understood. And we just want people to talk to us. And that's really at the heart of working with anyone, just not millennials. So I think the first thing to remember when you start hiring people and managing people, no matter what generation they're in, is to just really understand who they are, what their goals are, and then look for ways that you can support each other. So is that millennials goal in line with your company goal? If it is, great. If it's not, then you know that that's probably not the best employee for you to hire. So it's really not as complicated as people like to think. Yeah. And I love that your book is the YOLO principle because YOLO is such a millennial term. And of course, you know, Gen Xers and baby boomers stole it. And so it no longer was cool. So they don't use it anymore. But, um, and I say that as a Gen Xer, but I think when you, when you reflect on what is the, like, how did the perspective of a millennial employee get formed? And so, yes, there is, you know, well, how are they raised? But if you think about their digital natives, they've never known life without terrorism. You know, they've been brought up through school shootings and they're like, you know, life is short. Life is hard. I'm not safe. And and they just they want to live their best life. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's the reality, not to mention that they come with a different perspective in terms of you know, the value of time and the value of when things get done, because with social media and with, you know, Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and everything else, like business can be done all the times. Their work life is work life. It's like we struggle. Gen Xers are like, I want work life balance, which we know is a farce. They're just like, I work and I do life and it's all at the same time and I'm not counting hours. So there are some some really different characteristics between them and the rest of the workforce. So when you're trying to engage and keep the attention of somebody who looks at life completely different than you do, if you're a Gen X or if you're a baby boomer, baby boomers who are very, you know, driven by, you know, tradition and they want you to sit down and have a meeting face to face with them. And Gen X is like, just get it done. Like, I, we don't need all the fluff around it. Like, just make it happen. You know, we're very self-sufficient and time really matters to us to be, to be just kind of cut to the chase kind of thing. So all that to say, I guess that was a lot of statement. I do have a question in there. <laughs> <laughs> when you're looking at somebody that has such a vastly different perspective on approaching life and work and business and everything. How do you find what matters to them and align that with the company vision to show them? Because we all know if, if an employee understands where they fit into the bigger picture and how their unique contributions can help the success of the company, that's where you start getting that engagement. But it's a little bit different with millennials. So can you talk us through that? Sure. So I think you know, in your really long statement there, you really kind of touched on what 
what millennials are looking for is that work-life integration. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that outlook because we all want to work and have a life. And how you fit all the pieces together is really critical. And one of the ways that you can find out what's important to millennials and see if it aligns well with your organizational mission and your culture and your values is to get really good at asking questions. So my first advice is stop reading those top 10 questions to ask in interviews things and really think about it from your own perspective and what you need to know about people. So I was having a conversation with a client the other day who's hiring someone to be part of their sales team, but more in a support role, not, you know, not an account manager or something like that. And she said, well, how do I know that whoever I hire is going to thrive in a sales environment and and want to grow into this career as a salesperson. So one of the things that we talked about was asking the right questions. So in that example, what we came up with were some scenarios. It's like you're in a role where you have to sell to a customer and let's face it, we're all selling, whether we call it that or, or something different. We Amen. all have to sell things every day, all day long, whether it's a approach to a problem or a product you're selling or an add-on service or something, but every one of us is selling. And so one of the questions that we came up with was, you know, you have to approach someone that you've never spoken to before. It's a name on a list and you have to approach them about a service that you're offering that you think could help them. So how do you do that? What would you do first? And in asking that question, you're going to find out whether or not that person can even cope with that kind of an assignment. Right. You know, and if, you know, they may come back with saying, you know, I really don't know. And, you know, then that person's not right for you. Or if they say, I really don't know, but here's what I would do to find out, you know, I would do some research or I would, you know, listen to some podcasts or find other successful salespeople and look at what they've done and then see what's comfortable for me and how I might apply it. But from that one question, you know, you, you kind of can figure out what's a good answer, what's a bad answer. And in that answer, you're going to look for clues that are aligned with what your business needs are, what your mission is. So this particular client is a very consultative, educational type sales environment. And that's very different from an environment where you're going to be like the telemarketer, cold call, you know, just bullpen of people on the phone kind of thing. So knowing your environment and what will work, what will not work is going to be key to helping you figure out what are the right questions to ask. And that I think is probably the hardest part of this. But once you do that and spend that time thinking The rest of it really isn't as hard as most people like to believe it is. I like that you used a very situational type 
question because if you ask the same questions of everybody that like if you if you can ask the same questions at any company then you're asking the wrong questions and people are shocked when they ask those top 10 questions like you referred to and then the person isn't a fit and i believe strongly that your culture should be so interwoven into your organization, anything from like the, the sales style of the department or even just like how you do business every day, how you interact with each other, how you interact with your customers, that people should be able to self-identify as not a fit. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And right. so if you ask questions that make them uncomfortable, they're going to leave the interview too going, that's off my list. And that's a good thing, right? It is. Absolutely. Because why do you want to spend time and money on someone it just isn't going to work out. It, it does you a disservice and it does that poor person a disservice because now they have, you know, extra jobs, I guess is a good way to call it on their resume. They're viewed as a job hopper and it makes it harder for them down the line to find a job. And not to mention what you've just done to yourself in terms of your time, your sanity, the money it costs to make a bad hire. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just so much easier to spend that time up front. And it's interesting because you and I were talking before we, we um, went on air here about how, you know, everybody says we're too busy, we're too busy, we're too busy. But it's learning more about how to spend your time in the most effective manner. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with, particularly with millennials and getting, you know, more entry-level type employees, Spending that time on the front end saves you so much time and money and energy and your sanity on the back end that I'm always amazed when people tell me, well, I don't have time to do all that. I always ask them, well, do you have time to manage problem employees? I know, right? Just throw money away and like, do you not sleep? So is that why you have all this extra time? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And well, and I always ask too, especially when I'm doing like a speaking engagement and I'm talking about, you know, just even developing your personal brand as a leader to better engage your employees. I always say like, okay, show of hands, who loves recruiting and hiring? And miraculously, no hands go up because I know it's crazy, right? Because it's so much fun. Yeah. Well, if you're a recruiter, it is. But if you're a manager and or a business owner, it's not because you're trying to do your operational activities every single day. And then you've got this other thing that's not your forte on your plate every single day. So I'm with you, girl, like get it right on the front end. Ask those questions on the front end where you know this person is going to be in alignment with what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then that's the baseline for engagement. So we've hired this person now. Now they are, they're in the company. And whether you have a salon of, you know, 15 employees, or if you've got a much, much larger company, or if you're one of my leadership folks that are in a Fortune 500, Fortune 100 company, and you just love Rebecca's advice, as you should, let's go a little bit further. So we know millennials are the largest generation in the workforce right now, and they're also the least engaged. Why? Why is that so? I think it goes back to this disconnect and this belief that 
you know, millennials are this entitled generation that doesn't want to work hard and, you know, all those negative things that we keep hearing about them. But I actually find when you truly get to know them as people and what interests them and what can align with their goals and their passions, that they are some of the most creative, innovative, and best employees that you could ever have. But the trick is to truly get it right and understand what they're looking for. And, you know, primarily they want to know why does this job matter? Like what's in it for me? What am I going to learn? What impact is it going to have on the client, the customer, the community, you know, humanity as a whole? Like what good is it doing? And how do I, how do I do this? Do I have enough resources, the tools, the knowledge, where can I go to get help if I need it? Those kinds of things. And to keep them engaged too, I think the biggest thing that people miss is that you need to be open and honest and transparent with them. Now, I'm not saying you have to give them, you know, every little detail of your financials and involve them in every single decision. But if you can let them in on the process and what's happening and ask for their input, that goes leaps and bounds towards keeping that millennial really excited about coming to work for you, engaged in the work that they're doing, and just really producing the results you want from them. Yeah. So if I could just add a little on to that, too, from a background perspective, you're talking about a generation where at least 50 percent of them are coming from divorced families and and also just a very different way of engaging with children. So where the boomers were raised, where it's, you know, children were seen and not heard, they didn't get a say so in family decisions. You're talking to a generation who might have been like their parents helpmate, like in, in lieu of a spouse, you had kids that were raised in single parent homes and had to step up in in some of those decision-making processes. Not to mention, I mean, I know growing up, I had no say-so in where we were going on vacation, but my kids have very much a say-so in where we go on vacation. So it's, we shouldn't be surprised when this generation comes into our work places that they want to have a say-so. That's all they've ever known. <laughs> and And P.S., you're doing that with your kids too. So why are you mad when your employees show up and want to see behind the curtain and want to understand the why behind what they're doing because they need it to be a meaningful experience for them personally. Like, don't we all really want that? Why are, why are we saying, oh, those millennials want everything when they're just being honest and authentic about their reality, which is probably the same one that we all want to. Right. And you, you hit something very important in what you just said is that they were raised as being part of decisions. So they have been trained in how to make good decisions, or at least we hope so. I mean, (laughs) families don't always make great decisions, but the majority of the time, I think that when you involve people in a decision, you get a better result because you're not looking just from your perspective, but you're also considering other perspectives as well. And let's face it, nothing in this world happens in a vacuum, right? Everything we do has impacts beyond just our, you know, what it does for us. It impacts not just your business internally, but 
external customers, clients, suppliers, vendors, like there's a whole host of people that are involved in business, either directly or indirectly. And when you involve your employees in contributing thoughts and ideas and and providing input. Now, you don't have to give them final decision-making authority. I mean, I think you still need to go through a process of of making sure that they're capable of that and they have the right skills and the learning. But if you involve them in some of your business decisions, it goes a long way to them buying into that decision and what, what they need to do to make that happen. So if you're deciding on a new product or a service and you get input from your employees, they're going to be better equipped because they have that kind of background insider, you know, to use your words, the look behind the curtain knowledge that's going to help them understand why you're offering this, who the right customer is to offer it to, and they're going to be better positioned to help sell it because they were part of that decision. Yeah. And I think there's a balance there because I know in a corporate environment, sometimes there's, you know, your, your leaders are shielding you from stuff that you don't need to be burdened with. And, you know, when you're talking real big business, like things are happening quickly behind the scenes that may have zero significance a week from now, or could have a significant significance <laughs> a week <laughs> from now uh, to, to double down on that word. And, and it's not for your average employee to have the burden of those, of that knowledge on them. So they might not always understand why you have to make the decisions that you do. And so my, my word of caution here is one, don't survey people to death because that that is equally as annoying as not being asked what you think. Um, but especially be careful to not keep going to the well for opinions and then doing the polar opposite. Like if you see that that is happening, then that is a time for you to reflect on, am I really considering what my employees think and and adding that value to my decision-making process, or am I just asking them because I'm going to put a check in that box and call that engagement? Because that's not like, that is not the way to do it. So just be cautious. If you're, if you ask for their opinion and then you go in a different direction, then be prepared to first thank them for their feedback and then give some kind of an explanation that is a good balance between keeping them involved and still protecting yourself, them, your customers, whatever, from information that, that might not be a necessity for them to know, for them to, to do their jobs. And I wish I had a really good example in a small business situation where that might be so. Maybe it's a financial decision. Like, I just don't want to spend that kind of money. That's, that's your decision as a, as a business owner. You don't have to share that your business does not have the budget to do something. You could just say, as I, as I'm looking at all the options and the most, you know, fiscally responsible way to pursue this, this, in my opinion, is the best business decision for me. And I appreciate your feedback. And as I look to, to plan for something like that, then, you know, th- I'll come back to you to get further details on that. That's a, that's a way to like mitigate risk. Right, right. And it was, it's, you just provided me the the greatest kind of segue into kind of a case study that shows what can happen when you are not open, transparent, honest with what's going on with your business and, and involving people in 
in this case, it wasn't necessarily the decision-making process, but it was the effect of not letting people know why you made certain decisions. And so this was, you know, a few months back, I had a client contact me and say, you know, I don't know what happened. I used to have this great firm. People love coming to work. It was a joy to walk in the door. And now I just dread it. Like, I don't even want to go into the door of my own business. So I, I just don't know what happened. We had a really rough year financially. We lost a couple of big clients. You know, I had to make some tough decisions. And one of those decisions was I needed to let go one of the staff members. And in a small company, that hurts. And, you know, unfortunately, the person that I had to decide to let go was one that was kind of the sunshine, the ray of light that, you know, kind of pulled everyone together. But it was a position that I I could eliminate without crippling the business. Right. So what happened here, and as I talked with this business owner, I realized you know, what, what was manifesting it as, you know, employees were mean and grumpy and they were no longer civil and all of that was really survivor syndrome. These people were, you know, they were the ones that were left behind. They didn't know why the decision was made. All they knew is their friend and their, you know, the fun coworker who was always there to brighten everyone's day was no longer there. And so I, asked her, I said, go back to the employees and kind of let them know what happened, why that person had to go. You don't have to give them, you know, full financial statements, but just kind of walk them through why you made the decision you made. And she did that. And she came back to me and she said, oh my God, she's like, I just cannot even believe what that simple process did and the change it made in my office. Like people were mad at me because I let their friend go. But what they didn't understand is by letting their friend go, they got to keep their jobs. They didn't have to take a pay cut. They didn't have to get a reduction in hours. So instead of a 40-hour week, now they're going to only work a 30-hour week. They got to continue doing their jobs. And that meant that unfortunately, someone whose duties were not as critical to the business they didn't. And it was just this huge light bulb moment where she realized that as a leader, I have to understand that my decisions impact my team and how I present that to them matters. Like I can't just rule from above without telling them what's going on. And like you said, there is a fine balance between telling them and involving them and letting them have too much information But in a small company, it was no secret that they lost three big clients. Everybody knew that already because the clients are gone. So just being honest about we lost these clients and that meant, you know, 40% of our business was gone. So we could no longer support the salaries of every employee we had and we had to make that decision. So while you didn't involve them, you just let them know that this had to happen and it was business and it wasn't personal. Yeah. And, you know, you have to remember, there's a reason why you're the business owner and they are employees. And that's not to take away from anybody's talent or their intelligence or anything, but you're the one who's willing to, you know, put your butt on the line. You're the one that's taking all the risk. You're the one who might be taking less pay than, you know, your employees are even taking. And they don't, they don't know all that. They don't need to know all of that. But I just, you know, there's, 
there's a level of ownership that you have to maintain as a small business owner while also recognizing the fact that their brains are not going to go to the place that your brain's going to go as the actual owner of the business, as the person who's, you know, got all the skin in the game. They're showing up to the job you created for them and they're looking at it from their perspective. So the more that you can kind of elevate their thinking of why this is a good business decision, which will ultimately maintain their ability to have a job, <laughs> the better right. off you are. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's your job to be the business owner. It's their job to be an employee. And if you can help bridge the the distance there in, in perspective and thought process, you're going to be a lot better off. So what are just some quick tips? I know we've talked about a lot, you know, asking for the right, you know, asking the right questions on the front end as you're interviewing situational things where you need to hear that they're going to respond to something in a particular way. We've talked about involving people in decisions. What what else can people do, especially in light of the millennial generation to keep their employees engaged? Yeah, I think it's really important to spend time talking with them, get their feedback, ask them how things are going. And one of my favorite questions to ask, and, and when I was still in corporate, I would go into the office and every morning I would make it a point to spend a minute or two with everyone who was my direct report. And I would ask them this question, what's going on in your life today? And that question didn't limit it to, you know, what's going on in the job or what do you have on your plate for today? What's your to-do list? Because people bring their whole self to work. So when I said, what's going on in your life today, that opened the door for them to tell me, you know, I'm having problems with my son. You know, he's not doing well in school. He's acting out. I keep getting calls from the principal. I don't know what to do. And so knowing that I knew that this person had a little bit of stress going on at home. So I could help them manage aspects of their work to minimize the stress a little bit at work. Yeah. So knowing what was going on in their lives helped me help them with their workload, but it also made them understand that I cared about them as people. Yes. That they weren't just a number to me. They weren't just like, how much money can you bring into my company? But they were people that I valued. And so sometimes I could give them advice. Sometimes I could point them to someone else and say, oh, you know what? I think this person had a similar situation. Maybe you two should go grab a cup of coffee and, you know, talk offline a little bit about that. They might be able to offer you some tips. You know, so there were there were ways I could help them without being nosy. I mean, they came to me and they told me things. And so, you know, sometimes you have to be careful about what you're, what you're hearing and not try to solve problems you're not qualified to solve. So it could be referring them to your employee assistance program or to a, you know, a coach or a counselor or something of that nature. But it helps to keep them feeling like they're valued and that they're people to you. They're not just, you know, resources. And, and you know, that term human resources always bothered me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, they're people, they're not equipment, they're not machines. So that I think is, is one thing you can do. Another one that is always good is asking them for feedback when things don't go well. 
So when you're dealing with that difficult customer, and maybe in the situation I described where this particular client lost three very, very large customers, is doing kind of a debrief. Like, why do we think this happened? Was there something we could have done to prevent it? What clues did we miss? And just having that kind of brainstorming feedback you know, will give you a better perspective on what's going on in your company, but it also makes these these em- employees more engaged because they're they're feeling like part of your company, and that's really what you want. Because, you know, this is granted it's your baby, but you can't do it alone. You need help, and you want the people who are helping you to believe in what you're doing as much as you do. Totally. You know, one practice that I've always had just with the event background is to do a debrief after the event. So you you do all the celebrating, you high five everybody and all that good jazz, but then you do a hits and misses. And that way it's it's okay to say this didn't quite go right because you're doing it in the spirit of continuous improvement. And so everybody has has permission to say well, if we did this this way next time, we would have an even better event. So sometimes it's hard to get employees to give negative feedback <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because they're afraid to. And so if you create an environment where you say, okay, here are our hits. This rocked. This was amazing. There's no way we could have improved upon this experience. Here's what we could do better next time to just really refine things. And And so I found that not just doing that with events, but with any project that you're working on, maybe, you know, especially, um, you know, as we come off the holidays, if you did a holiday open house, then doing a hits and miss would help you be able to put that information together. And then when you do that open house next year, you can go back and say, oh yeah, that's right. We said we wanted to do it this way this time, instead of just muscle memory taking over, doing it the same old, same old and having the same pain points. And so whether that's a marketing campaign or maybe it's a customer service initiative or an internal thing that you're doing, uh, putting new processes together at the end of projects like that, empower your people to let you know how you could have made their life easier in the future. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, this is all just fancy terminology for feedback. Right. Yes. And, and, And really, that's what you want to have is just constant dialogue, conversations, feedback that's both both positive and negative. And that's something that millennials crave. They like having feedback. They like knowing when they're doing something right. They like knowing when they've missed the mark and what they can do to fix it. You know, that's, that's important. And too many of us, I think, shy away from having to give, you know, the bad news or the critical feedback, but there's a way to make that positive. And it's, you know, really about the language that you use with them. And I think Amber, you gave some really great examples of that, you know, what were hits, what were our misses, what could we have done better? What do we want to do the next time? You know, that's very positive language when really what you're talking about are things that didn't go well, that you missed the mark on, that were negative. And so just paying attention to your words and the language that you're using, I think, makes feedback a lot easier to give because 
really the worst possible thing is for someone to not know they're not meeting your expectations and then just getting surprised when you call them into your office and say, this isn't working out. I have to let you go. Amen. That's horrible. Amen. Horrible. <laughs> I, for I, real. Uh, or even if you do that, <laughs> even if you don't let them go, even if they make it all the way to like their annual review and then you you give them, you know, negative stuff that you could have told them six months prior and given them an opportunity to improve upon. I mean, it just and sometimes it just is right. It's not that somebody made a mistake. It's that your team hadn't done that before. And so obviously you're going to make mistakes when you pursue new opportunities and new challenges. And it's okay it's, as long as you fail forward. Right. And right. learn from the mistake. And that's, that's, you know, again, that, that spirit of continuous improvement versus, you know, looking at it as let's talk about everything that went wrong. Right. Right. So, well, these have all been, as usual, you just come with a bounty of awesomeness um, that will help our bombshells navigate the whole employee engagement field with uh, less minds <laughs> to step <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Is there any parting wisdom that you want to offer before we uh, say our goodbyes? Yeah, I think just understand that you don't have to do this alone. And one of the lessons learned from my case study I shared with you about that business owner and how things kind of went south after she made this decision and her employees all became kind of grumpy and disengaged was reach out to to ask for help before you do something like this and just say, am I on the right track? What should I say? Am I saying too much? Am I saying too little? And it could be, you know, reaching out to an expert like Amber or myself, or just someone that you value their opinion, but don't feel like you ever have to go it alone. As business owners, we need a community of support. And I know I've talked about this on prior podcasts, but you know, there's a, there's a world out there that's ready to help you. So don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. And when you're in uncharted territory, not asking for help is the worst possible thing that you could do. So feel free to reach out to me on my website. There's, you know, set an appointment scheduler thing there. I give a free 20 minute insight conversation to people. I don't sell on that. It's just a laser focused brainstorming session that can get you on the right track. So feel free to take, take advantage of that. Absolutely. And I I double down on that sentiment too. You of course can find Rebecca in the show notes at amberhurdle.com forward slash podcasts with an S and just look for this episode. You can find her information at amberhurdle.com forward slash bombshell business experts, or you could have the bombshell business app right there on your phone. You can get that in the, in the app store or Google play. If you're an Android user and um, our experts have their own page with all of their contact information, of course, this, the show notes from today will be in the podcast section of the app as well. So Rebecca, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Amber. It's always a pleasure to be your guest. Well, always a pleasure to have you here and bombshells take this with you, implement it in your business. Let us know what you think, either in the app or on any of the social media channels where, you know, we are via email, whatever suits you and share the love too. make sure you share this episode with a, with a fellow bombshell who might could use Rebecca's wisdom and we will catch you on the next episode. 
Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit AmberHurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.